Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's episode 118 of Across the Roneverse. Steve here with uh, Jimmy and Brandon as usual. We're recording about 24 hours or so after Roma's late defeat at the hands of league leaders Napoli at the San Paolo. We also have some transfer things to cover with just about 24 hours left in the transfer market. So by the time you listen to this, the market may just be about closed, uh, but we'll discuss what we know at the moment. So guys, busy couple days in the Romaverse, going to Naples, transfer sagas, dragging out with Zaniolo, and a, a surprise arrival that we have plenty to talk about today. Yeah, we really do. Um, I got to say, we were talking about this before we started hitting record, but I am pretty proud of how Roma did against Napoli. I think Mourinho said that out of all the teams that have played them so far this season in Serie A, we did look among the best. And... I, I'm not going to go as far as saying it's completely wrapped up for Napoli that just yet, but it looks pretty wrapped up. And what's important now is making sure that they stay in the top four. And Roma really looks like they'll be able to do that, which is exciting. Yeah, I think it was a performance to be, to be proud of for sure. I think it's pretty disappointing to lose at the end just like that, given Kabara uh, and Ozyman were both subbed off by the 85th minute um, when it was – still tied up and Roma were pushing for that late winner. So it was tough to tough loss from that perspective. But overall, I think it was a great performance. I think we've come a long way from those days where uh, they would just simply whimper in the face of quality opposition and um, just get steamrolled time and time again. So that's something that we've talked about over and over again. So that's nothing new, but it's, it's great to see it manifest itself against the league leaders like that. Yeah, I wasn't that upset. I was telling Jimmy beforehand about the way the match went. Obviously, I did. I wanted to get that point at minimum once we had drawn level. But um, I thought, and I don't know if it's because I was I was in a good mood because my Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Shout out to the Philadelphia Eagles. I had to throw that in there. But um, it wasn't that like hurtful of a loss in a sense. We didn't get dominated by Napoli. We went pretty much toe to toe. I think uh, Mourinho was was very uh, keen to call that out afterwards. Obviously you're going to look for moral victories and moral victories only go so far, but with the table as tight as it is, you want to keep the team's head in the right place. And I, I think, uh, you know, Roma did plenty good yesterday to, to do that, especially with a, I don't want to say easy stretch, but a court on paper, a relatively uh, easy stretch. I think about five matches without a big team in the league. So some, some room for growth for Roma and considering the way Milan's been playing and uh, Inter not that strong, even though they picked up three points this weekend, 
Uh, Lazio dropped points. Uh, so really didn't turn out to be that awful of a weekend for Roma, considering they dropped all three in Naples. The My biggest gripe with the match, and it, it's it's often with the these big matches for Roma, is like they don't react offensively enough for me until they get punched in the mouth. Like the Osman goal kind of woke Rome up a little bit. It was late in the first half when they really started to come on. And I just feel like I know they're trying to defend and, and keep it 0-0 as long as they, they possibly can, especially against an attack like Napoli. But I don't know. I would have liked to see a little more, you know, push early on in the match from the attack. Yeah, I would go with that. I think that we're still trying to figure out the ins and outs of this attack, especially with Zaniolo gone, with Dybala coming back from injury. There are a lot of reasons. And also, you know, credit to Napoli. They have a very good defense. But on the whole, I would say that that is something that the club still needs to work on over the course of the next month or two. But again, I, I'm... I'm not as encouraged by the win as by the loss as I would have been by a draw or a win, but I'm still pretty encouraged by how they played. It was one of the more exciting matches that I've seen from Roma in quite some time. See, I'd go the opposite way on that. I think, um, you know, you, Napoli can easily put five or six past an opponent, like no further than the Juve match a couple of weeks ago. So I think playing it a little more pragmatic, a little more cautious was the way to go, especially with the whole Zaniola situation. So you would, say that if that wasn't going on, he probably would have been in the 11 um, on Sunday. And so you have an additional attacking threat there. I know at this point in uh, his relationship with Roma and Roma's fans, it's easy to be like, well, you know, he only has this one goal in open play, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, at some point, we considered him a great game-breaking player for Roma. So having him on the field would have been a plus. Um, and so with, with that going on and then, I don't know if that had some residual effect on the team psyche. You probably would have, you know, wanted to to protect for that. I trust Mourinho and the team at this point to be able to put their heads down and do the work and kind of, uh, you know, tune out the distractions. But in any event, it's a huge match, um, especially with the top four implications. And so to start the match, I think it was the right approach, obviously, it's another moment of magic from Osman. What are you going to do about it? Um, but having said that, the response was good. Um, the equalizer was well-deserved. And ultimately, the the finish kind of cool for Romo. Yeah, I mean, the Osman goal, uh, world-class striker type finish, right? I mean, I was I was looking up some of the advanced stats. And, and uh, AS Roma Data tweeted out that the XG on that particular play was 0. .07. So, seven hundredths of a goal expected to be scored there just speaks to the quality of Osman's finish. Um even once it, it was struck, the odds of going in apparently were 0.20 XG. So very low probability that that shot goes in that that play ever comes off. But Osman's that good and you know game breaking players break games open and he did that for Napoli. I say I I do have a bone to pick with Ibanez on that play. I think Ibanez was much too passive defending it. Because any little pressure, I think, on Osman there, he's not able to chest that down and get such a clean strike on it. So I, I thought Ibanez could have been better there. I thought on the second goal, too, he was a little out of position on the pass. That opened it up to um, <clears throat> Simeone. And then Smalling, uh, very uncharacteristically out of position there. So tough break. Uh, definitely a world-class finish. But I thought the defending on the second one was disappointing. That could have kept the match at 1-1 and, and really stolen a point for Roma uh, on the road against the league leaders. Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing that they weren't able to get at least one point, that's for sure. But at the same time, 
we have to say that that goal from Osimhen was world class. Um, he's probably one of the best strikers in Europe in terms of form, at least right now. And sometimes you can't stop goals like that. I, I don't think anyone could have stopped that goal if they tried, no matter how good the goalkeeper was. And yeah, I, I think I was very encouraged by El Sharawi's goal. Um, I was very encouraged by the fact that they, we talk about a lot of the time how this side doesn't necessarily respond until they get punched in the face but at least they're responding when they get punched in the face. If you catch my drift, I think that earlier versions of this side, even under Mourinho had a glass jaw and say what you will about this side. It does not have a glass jaw. It's going to keep pushing. Yeah, yeah I will agree with that. Go ahead, Brandon. I, I will agree though. Uh, in that, I was just, just going to add to the, to the Osman goal commentary that, um, yeah, obvious world-class goal, but I, I, I kind of am with Steve on Ibanez there. I mean, think about it, you know, he, he shuts it down to himself and gets a knee on it to set up the volley and then is able to hit the volley perfectly. I think Ibanez is, you know, caught unaware because he missed the ball completely while he was in the air and so didn't really have a lot of time to react. But as Steve was saying, really, if you get even half a second worth of pressure, it probably doesn't come off. Um but again, you know, world-class player linked to clubs like Man United. So, um, you know, the quality is there. And for the second game running, it makes makes the difference. Yeah, I mean, the both matches decided really. I mean, the second one, this one, Simeone got the winning goal. But it was right, also his right. quality that really gave Napoli the edge in both matches. And, I mean, we have our own pretty good striker. Tammy Abraham hasn't been on the top of his game, but Osiman's on another level, it seems, than maybe any other striker in Serie A right now. I mean, Vlaovic has been quiet for Juve. I mean, he's far and away the top striker in Serie A this season. He's probably going to win the Capocanieri at this rate. Hats off to him, but yeah, I agree on the um, the Banya's point for sure. Now, one thing that the, the guy who scored the goal for Roma was El Sharari, second match in a row, drifted in back post. I believe it was a Zalewski cross. Zalewski had a pretty good match on the right, considering he was playing even more out of position than he's used to playing, considering he's playing uh, right wing back. And El Sharari's been in good form. Now, to me, Pellegrini had a very quiet match again yesterday. I don't know if he's still not 100%. Um, you know, I still think he's an important member of the squad, but I think Mourinho has an interesting situation here with, El Sharari playing so well, I mean, does he have to start next match? And does that mean Pellegrini moves to the bench um, with Selleck coming back into the lineup? You're not going to bench Zalewski because he's been playing too well, in my opinion. So I wonder where Mourinho goes there. Does, does he keep using El Sharari as the impact sub for the for the moment? Or do you think maybe Pellegrini makes way in some way? I don't think Pellegrini makes way. Sorry, Brandon. Um, but I do think that we're hopefully going to see a little bit more rest for Pellegrini. I think that part of the reason why he hasn't been as impressive after a pretty great start to the season was quite frankly, because he was getting run, he's getting run down. Um, This happens to him a lot, at least in my experience with watching him, it feels like in the beginning of the season, he is otherworldly. And then by the very nature of the fact that we often don't have a true backup for him in the squad, who's not a Primavera player. He ends up racking up a crap ton of minutes by the time January rolls around. And then everyone's like, what happened to Pellegrini's form? He's not impressive anymore. Well, I mean, I can tell you what happened. He's been playing an insane number of minutes. And Mourinho's talked about this a lot. 
Um, and so is Tiago Pinto and has basically everyone related to the club has said something along the lines of, look, we need to get Champions League football, not just for Roma's finances in general, but also so that rotations can happen without a massive drop off in quality. And, and people can criticize Mourinho for putting on the kids in the 80th minute there. There's some validity to those criticisms, I would say. However, I do think that at least at the moment, if a player is tired and needs to come out, he needs to come out. He's not, it's going to hurt more to have a very tired player on the pitch. And what other options does Mourinho really have? So I would say that hopefully as if Rome was able to get champions league football uh, for next season, knock on wood, they'll be able to develop further depth in the side, which might actually lead to players like Pellegrini, not losing form, which might lead to players like Dybala not getting injured as much. Think about it this way. Manchester City, for all its faults, is in part able to be so successful because they have the ability to rotate and not lose too much quality between their first 11 and second 11. I'm not saying Roma will ever be able to get there, but it's something that Roma at least needs to kind of like put on the motivational board. Tiago Pinto needs to put it on his dream board um, for what he this side needs to be able to co- become to compete on multiple in multiple competitions and compete for Scudetto. Hey, you can say that it's load management. I can call it Pellegrini losing his starting spot, getting sent to the bench because of poor performance. We all have our narratives, um, but no. In all in all seriousness, I think your last point is is the key, um, and is actually the one that I was going to make. Where when you look at City, they can afford to put Phil Foden, Jao Cancelo on the bench. Um, and, you know, might not always work out. You know, Cancelo might want to move to Bayern if he's on the bench too long. But uh, when you're one of these big teams competing in three competitions, uh, challenging for trophies year in and year out, you're going to have to have a heavy dose of rotation. Um, so regardless, if it's if it's just a matter of giving some other guys shine or letting Pellegrini rest a little bit uh, while he regains his form, um, either way, it's something that, you know, it's a bridge that you're going to have to cross when when you reach a certain level of uh, competition. And so as Roma are continuing to progress on this path, um, like Jimmy was saying, you hope that they do acquire more depth and in turn can afford to rest their uh, start players to the point that it's not weird to us as fans. Yeah, and in terms of depth, Roma's depth is going to be tested a little bit again because – um Tammy Abraham limped off but reports are that he's fine uh Matic also came off a little bit early I was surprised that Matic got pulled but part of the reason he got pulled was he he had a little thing going on but both of them checked out fine apparently uh but according to Football Italia uh Leo Spinazzola the reason he came off at halftime wasn't so much for his performance but because he has a grade grade one thigh strain which will require at least a few weeks out um so Matisse Vigny moves on um, to Bournemouth on loan from what we're hearing. And uh, Roma's left backup left back at this point uh, to Zalewski is now out. So that kind of puts El Shorai in a position where he's probably playing a lot of that left wing back if uh, he comes into matches or, you know, can also spell players up front. But he's going to be involved in some way, shape or form. It looks like Zalewski's not going to be playing every match, you don't think. Um and also with Selleck right now, the only option at right back, Zaleski sometimes will have to shift to that right and open things up to for El Shorey, it looks like. Um, so depth is going to be tested at the wing back positions. Early in the season, it looked like we had pretty good depth. And now with uh, 
an injury and Karsdorp out the door, or at least frozen out of the squad, that's going to be something interesting to keep an eye on. Um, Jimmy mentioned the two kids coming on, Bove and Tahirovic in the 82nd minute. I was a little surprised to see both of them come on in a match of this magnitude uh, together. I, I thought that was interesting. I thought it was a little bit uh, ballsy by Mourinho in, in a sense. And, uh, you know, you you want the kids to play, I guess, right? But um, after the subs, the goal did come. So I don't know if having Cristante and or Matic still on the pitch would have made a difference. Maybe having that experience and then, you know, marking a little differently might might have made a difference but just something uh i found interesting in the match was the two kids coming on at the same time kamara stayed on the bench so i I thought that was an interesting uh substitution pattern from Mourinho. i mean i would agree it's an interesting substitution pattern i would say that some i forget who said it but there was a serial manager in the past decade who said something along the lines of there's a reason why compared to the Bundesliga, compared to Ligue 1, compared to the Premier League, compared to La Liga, so many fewer Italian coaches are likely to play the kids. And it's because even for a small side, the stakes feel 10 times higher. Like, think about how many managers sometimes these small sides run through over the course of a season, even though they're rele- they probably know from the beginning of the season they're relegation-bound, right? Like, come on, don't tell me that you think that these people are like oh we were we we were going to contend for the scudetto but you know you lost the first five matches so we got to boot you like that's not that that's not realistic and so there these managers in italy are on such tight leashes most of the time that i don't think that a lot of italian youth get the real chance to perform at the top flight when they need to which kind of does speak to larger problems that the italian national team has been having but that's a that's a conversation for another time the important point is, I think that Mourinho, out of all the managers in Serie A, probably has the most bulletproof CV. Uh, he has the most leeway from his ownership group. I mean, it's very obvious to me that the Freakins want to keep Mourinho around. It's very obvious to me that they want to do it right, but they're they're going to try to do whatever they can to keep Mourinho happy. And I think that because Mourinho has that longer leash, he feels comfortable doing things like that. And I think he should feel comfortable because, you know, as I said, the the ideal is that Roma is able to build out depth like Manchester City. But the only way that's going to even come close close to fruition is by guys like Bove, Tahirovic, Volpato, um, becoming more like Zalewski. And, you know, you were talking about Zalewski two minutes ago and saying he can't play every match. Man, he's still 20. Like, like this is a 20 year old academy grad who I don't think if you had said last like 12 months ago, this guy's going to be an integral part of our starting 11 that anyone would have believed you. And the reason why it happened was in part because he was given opportunity after opportunity. Did he succeed in every single time that he went on the pitch? No, but you give him enough playtime and the cream rises to the top. Yeah, and just to add, I would say uh, just look at Arsenal's model where uh, they leaned heavily on youth, um, rode them for a couple of seasons. It's now paying dividends. They're able to supplement. They're able to accelerate that process a little bit given you know the fact that they're one of the big six in the Premier League and can splash the cash when they need to or when they feel that they're a piece or two away. But you see that that's the type of model um, moving forward. And then operating in that way it allows you to save some cash um kind of hoard the wealth a little bit and then when when you are at a point where you are a piece or two away you've been able to 
um, accumulate the funds necessary to get that player in. And so it's, I don't know, it's unfortunate timing because by the time everybody reaches their full potential, Mourinho is not likely to be here, I think we would all say. But at the same time, uh, you know, given Roma's history, everything surrounding the club and all the questions surrounding the mentality, at what other point would have been appropriate to bring Mourinho in? Uh, I mean, it seems like only he or a manager of his caliber could have been the one to do the job. So it, it's unfortunate timing, but um, it, it certainly is setting the stage for Roma to have success in the future. Yeah, I, I've seen the argument on Twitter recently. Like, if you bring in Mourinho, you bring him in to you know to win. So get him stars, and Dybala was the the first kind of star they brought in. But we know Roma's finances; they can only bring in so many stars, at least at the moment, with financial fair play and the, and the such. And you're hoping Tammy, you know, would have had the same season as last year and really blossomed into a star, and Pellegrini the same. And <clears throat> and I guess you felt the roster around those three, and it hasn't exactly worked to plan. I think Tammy's starting to show signs of. Uh, you know, the form we want to see, I think, you know, Pellegrini, I think like Jimmy said, I don't think he's playing a hundred percent right now and because of wear and tear and things like that. But even if you get a Fratezzi in the summer, right. And even if when Haldem's a part of the team again next year, if he, you know, finishes out the year strong, you're still going to need the players like Dehirovic and Bove to, to, to improve and, and develop and be part of that depth moving forward. You know, a team like Roma is never going to have the city depth with the money city has and the, the, the resources they have, but you can build quality depth with a, a good mix of, you know, youth and and stars and veteran players. And then I think Roma's doing a good job of that. I'm, I think Mourinho's had to adjust a little bit because he is a guy who's known to rely on veterans and he can't do that anymore because he is going to have to, you know, bring in some of those younger players. And it's worked well with Zalewski. We've seen flashes from Volpato and Bove and Tahirovic. So I think those guys are all part of the plan at, at this point moving forward, at least for the time being. Uh, so that, that should serve Roma well in the long run. Um, but before we move on to the Mercato, guys, anything else you want to add about this match that stood out or anything maybe we didn't touch on? Uh, I would just say that I don't think that the scoreboard tells the whole story here. And I think that we've pretty much hammered that point down. But I just want to emphasize it again that especially compared to how Roma has played against Napoli in, in recent matches, this was a market improvement. Yeah, so let's move on to the Mercato. Obviously, the Nicolo Zaniolo saga has been dragging on since we last recorded a week ago. Uh, you know, we saw that Milan was involved and dropped out because they could not afford the asking price. Uh, they they wanted some kind of loan offering, and Roma's not interested in a loan. Uh, and it was Bournemouth that really advanced the only legit proposal, somewhere in the 30 million euro range with the bonuses and sell-on percentage of like 10% or something, I think I read. And Zaniolo turned that down. Uh, then apparently he had second thoughts and... It didn't come to fruition anyway today. So Leeds was involved, but uh, Roma wasn't happy with the proposal pretty much at this point. It's got to be at least as good as Bournemouth's proposal or pretty much on yellow can go scratch until the summer. And if nobody comes in in, in the summer with a, a reasonable offer, according to whatever Roma, you know, feels is a just price at the moment uh, or at that point in time, Zaniolo might be frozen out as long as the last 18 months of his contract. So guys, where do you see this going? And, and does it, you know, is Roma doing the right thing, trying to, you know, take a stand, or is it going to harm the team in the long run? How do you see this playing out? I don't know how this pans out, man. I, I would not, like, I'm still kind of in mourning over the concept of what Zaniolo 
I think many believed he could be, including me, for this club. Obviously, that's pretty much, you know, gone now. I don't see any chance for there to be a reconciliation between the club and the player, let alone the fans and the player. I'm still holding out hope that he can get gone sooner rather than later uh, within the next 24 hours, even if it doesn't seem likely. I saw rumors before we started recording that Leeds were interested in him. Uh, I want him out of Serie A, preferably to the Premier League. I do think he has like juice left in him to have a good career, but it really feels like he's getting terrible advice from his agent. It really feels like he... Probably got too much celebrity too quickly. Um, and that's something that we've, that I've mentioned even last week before things came even more to a head with Zaniolo, that I think that Rome and the Roman media and like the AS Roma media have a tendency towards catapulting people into superstardom or like entrusting them with the expectations of superstardom from a young age, simply because we had Totti and De Rossi basically deserve it and take it on their shoulders and do well with it. Um, and I think it was just too much for him. And that's, that's really sad um, because I, the most excited that I've been about watching a young player ever, honestly, for Roma was when Nicolo Zaniolo started playing um, for, for the senior team. I was about to say, I, he's not the most excited I've ever been watching a player post-Toti because I think now Dybala fills that role. Um, and I do wonder, honestly, how much... You sign Paolo Dybala any day of the week that you can and twice on Sundays. But part of me does wonder how much the Dybala signing probably affected his mentality as well. Um, I think that in some ways the writing might have been on the wall once they were able to sign Dybala about his long-term future in Rome. But yeah, uh, I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't think he plays in a Roma kit again, I can tell you that much. Yeah, I think... Yeah, he definitely won't play for Roma again. I think that much is clear. It's just too far gone, especially with what we're reading, um, with how, how the fans have been confronting him. Um, but it's, as Jimmy was saying, it's sad to see... It. You know, Jimmy in particular, I'm very sad for you as the Zaniello hype train conductor going to have to retire. That yeah, I removed it when... from my Twitter bio. I removed it from my Twitter <laughs> oh, no. bio. It is now the Zalewski Volpato hype train. Uh, Zalewski's still doing me proud. He's got, he, he's he's making me happy still. Um, but yeah, it's not not ideal. And the the bummer of it all. Okay, this is not the only bummer of it all. But I just got my brother the. Uh, the Japan World Tour uh, kit for Christmas with Zaniolo on the back because I thought that this spring was uh, going to be like his comeback <laughs> time, and now it's like it's good that Zani that they wrote it in a uh, Japanese script because now he can just be <laughs> like, ah man, number twenty two. I don't know who that is. <laughs> we'll know. We'll know. <laughs> he could just pretend it says Miyoto in in, uh, in Japanese, and that's exactly, number twenty two, yeah. and nobody will know the difference. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's certainly uh, a disappointing end to what was a promising start to his career, right? Uh, injuries obviously played their part, but the the way it panned out, I, I think it's like I said last week, and like you just reiterated, I think it's bad advice from his agent, uh, not good guidance. Uh, it's bad timing on all all around, and it's gonna it's gonna lead to and has led to a mess for the club, and and even more so for the player because as much as it 
you know, sucks from a club perspective to pay his wages and lose his transfer value. The club in some ways can afford to lose this time more than he can as a 23 year old, you know, kind of heading into the prime of his career, needing to develop training individually for if it ends up being 18 months is really just a waste of a, of a lot of talent that, you know, it's still in there. Um, And I don't, I don't see in 24 hours, anything, you know, coming to a head where he moves on if Roma's not going to accept the loan because to work out the financials of, of a transfer in, in the last 24 hours of the window, if it's a team that's making a new approach, it's going to be very difficult. I don't, I don't see how that, you know, plays out in such a short time. So there's something def- we'll definitely keep an eye on. Uh, another player who's been frozen out of the squad or, or at least not been part of the match day squad is Rick Karsdorp. But, um, you know, Rome apparently turned down a swap deal with DeShilio for him with Juve. And thus, as Mourinho apparently pointed out, he hasn't been completely frozen out. He hasn't been made to train individually. And Corriere dello Sport is reporting that he could be reintegrated into the match day squad uh, if, you know, he so chooses. Uh, it would probably take an apology to Mourinho and the team and, and the staff. And, you know, he'd be welcomed back into the squad. And, and part, of the, part of the reason for that probably is the lack of depth at the fullback position. And, you know, I don't think Karsdorp wants to sit for six more months. So I'd, I'd be curious to see if he is brought back into the squad. Uh, apologizes for his transgressions of maybe not giving his all in that match against Sassuolo and and maybe help solve the the depth issue a little bit. All right. And, uh, you know, Karsdorp coming back into the squad would would be interesting to add to the wingback position. But today, Roma actually did make a transfer in or, you know, is on the verge of making a transfer. And it was Diego Lorente from Leeds United center back. Uh, reportedly arriving. He came in to Italy for his medical, probably be announced on Tuesday because that is the end of the transfer window. Uh, loan deal with an option to buy. Didn't see figures on the buy option, but 29-year-old veteran uh, came through the Real Madrid Academy uh, before moving on to a few loans with Rayo uh, Velicano and uh, Malaga, and then eventually to Sociedad before Leeds bought him when they were promoted a couple years ago. And uh, it's found, found his minutes diminished a bit under Jesse Marsh, the American manager. And I think that's part of the reason why he's moving on. And I think it makes sense for him. They're looking for a fifth center back. He's a veteran guy with, uh, you know, the three fourths of the Roman defense is, is fairly young still. I mean, Mancini's not so young anymore, but still a fairly young defense. And uh, it gives Mourinho another player that he can kind of just plug and play, not have to worry about uh, a learning curve at this point. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, it can't be any worse than uh the Ainsley Maitland Niles experience where, you know, didn't really do too much, not really anything uh, too horrible either. So I guess we'll take it. Um, I could see this being another one of those situations, but that's kind of what you, that's all you're looking for with your fifth center back. I will say if um, this leads to getting the other Lorente, the one from Atletico in the summer, I'm all in and uh, let's, let's get this deal over the line. (laughs) I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. That's like me saying that, uh, I don't know. I can't come up with a good, good, good comparison, but I don't, exactly, I don't think that's exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's, it's a depth signing. We need depth signings. We need depth. Obviously. I mean, we've been talking a lot this podcast about how one of the biggest differences between Roma and a Scudetto contending side is having depth. And that's been a problem for Roma basically throughout, even during the Pelota era because of financial fair play. But you do get the sense that they're actually working towards building sustainably deep 
side now, which is encouraging. Yeah, I haven't really seen Lorente play much. I know he's got 10 caps for the Spanish national team as recently as as last year playing in some of their Nations League matches. So he, he's a, an experienced guy. Um, I linked a a write-up from Coach's Voice into the, the you know rumor kind of transfer piece I put on the site today. And just to give a little tidbit of what they said about him, they did a complete scouting report on him uh, early on in his Leeds career a couple of seasons ago. They, you know, they say he's a complete center back with a vast range of strength, both in and out of possession, a safety net in the last line with his pace and ability to cover for others. Uh, exceptional tackling ability. First and foremost, he's extremely calm on the ball. And it's always an option through which his team can recycle possession. I think that part is a profile that Roma could kind of use, you know, uh, smalling strength is not really his, his ability on the ball. Um, and I did see some of the numbers on FB reference on uh, Lorente and, and his tackling numbers are, are pretty good in the top five leagues. Uh, I'm going to pull it up real quick right now, but his um, tackling compared to center backs in the top five leagues over the last calendar year was very strong. He was in the uh, 92nd percentile for tackles, uh, 92nd percentile also for tackles one um, dribblers tackled was at the 97th percentile dribblers contested 94th. Uh, 83rd percentile for interceptions, tackles plus interceptions, 93rd percentile. So a strong defensive profile in, in those t- in regard and able to, you know, tackle players, tackle dribblers um, and do those sorts of things. So that that's important. And I think the ability to break the press and, and move the ball from the back will be important for Roma too. And I wonder, and I kind of, you know, hinted this at the end of the piece, I'm wondering with the smalling situation, at what it is now, kind of at an impasse. We don't know if he's going to resign or not. Does Lorente become an option moving forward if Smalling does decide to move on? Do, do they maybe, if he has a good six months, exercise whatever the option cost is? I haven't seen any numbers thrown around. And you get a, yourself a veteran to replace Smalling, a guy who is also comfortable in the back four, which is something Mourinho might want to switch to next season. So I think this is a speculative move. Adds depth, gives Mourinho a veteran player he can probably trust. Um, I'm not sure if he was at Madrid around the same time as Mourinho because I, I didn't even double, you know, cross-reference the dates, but he did make three appearances for, for Madrid. So maybe he's a player Mourinho is a little bit familiar with. And uh, maybe Roma's like, you know what, we'll kick the tires. If he turns out good, and then we can bring him back next year with or without Smalling and, and maybe give another option to Mourinho moving forward. Yeah, I definitely think that as much as I'm not trying to Actually, I am trying to spin the uh, the Zaniolo departure in a positive way, but I do think that get having him off the books will make it easier to be a little more flexible with with uh, formations going forward. And I could see him switching to four at the back now that Zaniolo is effectively gone. Yeah, I think for me, um, we've seen that players from Leeds under Bielsa are pretty good in terms of work rate. Um, thinking of Calvin Phillips at City. So we kind of know the player that you're going to get. I know things haven't been going as well under Jesse Marsh, but still. And then, as you mentioned, he probably does know him a little bit from the Madrid days. I think you mentioned that he was in Real's academy as well. So I'm sure at some point in that timeline, they might have crossed paths. Um, But I think in, in terms of how it relates to the smalling situation, I think you would have to have a damn good six months to be considered the smalling replacement if smalling were to leave considering smalling is one of the best center backs in the league i think it does provide you cover in the event that he does leave but then at the same time he probably will look uh in the summer for a for a bigger signing 
All right. Yeah. So I think Brandon has a point. I, I don't think he becomes the direct replacement for Smalling unless he's like otherworldly in these last six months. They probably do bring in another center back and probably a, a preferably a left footed center back in the summer because he is another right footed player. Roma's now got five right footed center backs. Um, ideally, you'd probably want a left footer if you play a back four. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers in January with, uh, you know, the finances and things like that. So, like I said, under 24 hours to go at the time of recording. We'll see if anything breaks on Zaniola. So keep an eye on the website for that because that's the first place you'll see it from us. And uh, I think other than possibly Zaniola leaving, that the, the Lorente will be the signing along with Solbach and on the free. And this is Mourinho's team with Wijnaldum coming back. And, it, and hopefully it'll be enough to get to top four. So, guys, just quickly to, to wrap here. Before we can talk about top four, because the next match is actually Wednesday's Coppa Italia uh, quarterfinal against, surprisingly, Cremonese. It is not a trip to Naples again. Uh, it's Cremonese. So Roma will be favored pretty big, I'm sure. Um, you know, the books, I'm sure, will have Roma heavily favored, uh, just like Napoli was against Cremonese. So how much rotation do you expect from Mourinho? Or do you think he really goes for it almost his full eleven? maybe try to pound Cremonese early and then maybe bring some subs in because you have to think with the path to the final Cremonese. And then I believe it's a Fiorentina Torino winner. Roma has to feel good about their chances of making the final. Yeah, I definitely think the Roma should be feeling good about their chances making the final. And I think that if I think that we talked about this at the beginning of the season, and I always thought that the long-term goal for this side was, you know, winning, win the EUCL, get to the Copa final, win the Copa this season, and then be able to put all your chips at the center of the table and make a run for Scudetto in Mourinho's third year at the club. That to me seemed like the timeline. I don't think anyone would have anticipated some of the bumps in the road that we've had along the way. Then again, I don't think some people would, anyone would have anticipated uh, signing Paolo Dybala. So overall, I would say that in my mind, the Mourinho experiment has actually gone pretty well. I would say for um, the Cremonese match that I expect Roma to come out uh, on, you know, full strength squad really show that they mean business and they mean to win this competition. And uh, hey, we can go toe to toe with Napoli on Sunday and then come out middle of the week and smack around Cremonese. And that's why we're going to, you know, we're here to win this competition. And I think that's generally going to be the the mentality going into the match, particularly if Zaniello leaves, because, you know, from there, Mourinho can use that as a motivational tool of sorts where he's like, you know, he didn't want to be here and you guys are, and, you know, let's let's make something of the season type of thing. Um, so I, I expect an emphatic win. Um, you know, nothing's really ever easy with this club, so they could very well make us sweat, um, and I'm still not comfortable saying that they're favorites to get to the final but you guys know me by now um so that's not a surprise at all but i do think they'll they'll come out um with a very strong squad on on match day and um i, I fully expect them to be uh in the quarter in the semifinals come come the end of the match <clears throat> yeah i agree i i think they will come out motivated i think Mourinho is <clears throat> the master motivator especially when it comes to, to trophy competitions so that with the the conference league last year. And I think he will see that clear path or not clear path, but much easier path than Napoli and Milan. Like we expected it would have been in the quarters and semis with the way the bracket played out. And um, I, I do expect a fairly strong 11. I think you might see like a Kumbula get a start. You might see one of Bove or Tahirovic in the midfield. You know, maybe he gives El Shirari a start rewards him for his solid play and, 
and rest Pellegrini or something like that. But uh, I think for the most part, it is going to be a fairly strong 11. I think Roma's going to be motivated. I think, you know, they they never put up three, four, five goals under Mourinho. They they rarely do that. But I think uh, like a nice strong two, three, nothing win would be very encouraging. And it, it gives them, you know, momentum going into Empoli on Sunday. And then, you know, I think I think because of the way Roma lost, I think they should feel pretty good about themselves going into the stretch of Empoli. And, and I think Hellas is in that stretch, Cremonese again, some of those type teams where I expect Roma to, to come out, play well Wednesday, and then, you know, hopefully continue that into the weekend. Yeah, without a doubt. I think that all, all respect due to Felix, but Roma should be beating Cremonese in the Copa, right? Like, I, I don't think that's a hot take. <laughs> yeah, no, I hopefully there's no Felix masterclass like he pulled off against yeah. Napoli to, to get yeah. the uh, get the goal and then make his penalty kick that sealed it or anything. Um, but you know these are the matches Roma should win, especially when it's a team like Cremonese in front of you, and that's what Mourinho was brought in to do. And I, I I fully expect them to do it, and I hope my words don't come back to to bite me because a loss in this round would be very disappointing. I would agree with that. Yeah, so I think that's about all we've got for this one. Um, you know, like I said, keep it up with the website over the next couple of days for any, you know, Mercato news that breaks or, you know, our, our match day coverage, of course, too, for the, the Copa and the Sediag matches coming up over the weekend. But uh, guys, anything you want to leave the listeners with before we head out tonight? No, other than I'm going to pour one out for uh, Jimmy's Zaniello hype train conductor um, funeral. Yeah, that train... That train has crashed, my man. That is that is a derailed, derailed train. No, it's worse than that. It's actually, you know, you know, at the end of Mission Impossible, when uh, like the first one, the really old one, with uh, with the helicopter in the tunnel, the helicopter crashed into the train, and uh, and that that is what happened to the Nicolo Zaniolo hype train here at at Chiesa di Totti and across the Romaverse. Jimmy will now have uh, Cristiano Volpato uh, hype train on his Twitter profile or or one of the such. Uh, maybe Zalewski. It's, that it's one, both. That it's one Zalewski, seems to be... Zalewski and Volpato now. Zalewski at least seems to have his head on straight. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave it there. Keep an eye out for Jimmy's Twitter profile to see if he does update his hype train or if he's going to take uh, a leave of absence. But uh, we thank you for joining us. And uh, like I said, stick with the website for all the updates. And we'll catch you guys again next week uh, post-Empoli match.